As we uh, continue on our sermon series on the Ten Commandments, I, I keep reflecting on, was this a good idea or not? And, and I certainly think it, it has been, although they keep uh, getting more difficult to preach on as time goes by. But certainly, as we think about it, we oftentimes focus on uh, trying to find just a pure and fantastic gospel point or whether to focus in... Uh, and, and here in the Ten Commandments, we've really been confronted with what is it that God has called us to in our lives, into our worship of the Lord, and into our service and love for our neighbor. And today is certainly no different. Uh, Luther describes that, that what he envisions for the Christian home is for husband and wife and husband, wife, and children, or, or whatever situation you may be in, that you go over the Ten Commandments routinely, which I know you all have been doing. And then in doing so, memorizing the explanations, which I won't test on. Um, but in them, we start to see a little bit of the answer to the question that most of us struggle with here in Seattle uh, or even in other parts of the country of what does it mean to be a Christian in the world today? What does it mean to be faithful to our faith and to our Lord in the world that is like ours now? It becomes in itself a spiritual practice, a spiritual habit. Uh, to kind of keep going along that theme, I'd actually like to start with a spiritual practice and a habit and consider this a teaching moment for you. Uh, that I demand participation in, and maybe even practice at home. Uh, it, it's reading the Psalms. And as you read the Psalm, asking yourself a question as you read it. So what I'm going to ask you to do, which may be very easy for you to do right now, is to close your eyes. Now, if, if you are tired, or if you are a brand new parent, don't do this. <laughs> Try and keep it together. <clears throat> I'm going to read for you a song. As you have your eyes closed, pay attention to the images that come into your mind. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, O oh Lord, will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep with sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love, and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. You may open your eyes if you're participating. Let me ask you the question about the image that you had in your mind. What picture or face came to your mind when the word enemy arose? What picture or face came to mind when you heard the word foe? Now, certainly all of us well-educated Lutherans know that our enemy and our foe is the devil, but I challenge you to be honest with yourself and who is it that you pictured in your mind?
this was a practice that first was kind of introduced to me through my wife. And, oh, and she was not my enemy. It's, don't take that wrong. She was teaching me an important lesson. But over the past several years, I've every now and then returned to this to put a check on my own thoughts and to remind myself that, in fact, the person who pops into my mind is not my enemy. The person who pops into my mind when I read those words is not actually my foe. But rather, as a person of Christ, my call is to not murder. And for us, that goes beyond the act of killing. It actually goes into the point of serving and loving unconditionally my neighbor. So that for me, there is no such thing as an enemy or a foe but rather another child of God who is in need of something in their life. In need of my forgiveness. In need of my service. In need of forgiving me. In need of loving me. See, this fifth commandment, you shall not murder, Maybe it's one that is very easy for us to pass over because very few of us have ever been put in that position. But in reality, this is a commandment that the Lord uses to train up the person of Christ to always check themselves about what is the will of God in my life and to meet it. Luther talks about it in this way. That it is a disciplinary commandment that takes our own will and our own mind and raptures it and connects it to Christ's. So that when we hear the word of enemy or the word of foe, we can only actually think of the real enemy that we have. The one who seeks to pull us from God. The one who seeks to sow and grow hatred and discontent between ourselves and one another. So we consider today, as you ask this question, who is my enemy and who is my foe? How is it that I am supposed to live the will of God in my life? Now there are many who spend a great deal of time asking, What is the will of God in my life? We ask it when tragedy happens. We ask it every time we come across somebody that we don't know. Why has the will of the Lord brought this person to me? But really, the will of God is this, that all men should be saved and come to know our God. And in connection with that will, His will is that all persons be defended. All persons be cherished. That all persons find their value and their protection from the wickedness and the actions of other people. That they find their protection and their identity and their value in Christ. So little did you know, the fifth commandment is a commandment to actually love and to speak the word of God to others. And the most challenging and the most important people to do this with are the ones that we see as our enemies.
We have heard the words of Christ come to us time and again. We have let them maybe even slide in our own lives. He writes in Matthew 25, He says to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and you did not minister to me? Then the Lord will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Maybe sometimes we try and stay away from that section of Matthew because that section of Matthew also comes right before our Great Commission to go out and it's also one of those points where we like to try and find the string or the gap. Yes, I have that neighbor. Yes, that neighbor is in distress and in need. But how do I know he will use that money rightly? Yes, I have that neighbor, I have that one in need, but how do I actually know they will live by our rules here? Yes, I, I have that, that neighbor and I have that person who is need that I have seen there, but how do I know that they are not going to hurt me? Once again, I am not meaning to project on any of you But these are certainly thoughts that have come into my own head. And a lifetime of experience shows they probably have come into yours as well. A murderer is the one who refuses to lift up his finger and help his neighbor. Luther draws a hard line in his teaching on this. He speaks of it in such a way to the point where even in his own life, as his neighbors or even some of his enemies fell on hard times, they found themselves living in Luther's home under his care because they were people in need. You may be asking yourself or pleading within your head, please, Brad, for Pete's sake, move on to the gospel. But to understand the fullest impact of the gospel is to understand this call as well. We are in a time where it is so easy for us to hear the voice of the world which is screaming at its loudest. For us to forget who our neighbor is. For us to take the priority of that person and set it well below ourselves. We are living in such a time where it is easy to hear the voices in the world screaming and try and find who our enemy is because then we can at least get riled up. We are living in a time where the voice of the world is screaming, only wanting division between all of us. But do not let that voice overcome the voice of the gospel. Do not let the talking heads be the ones who dictate to you salvation. Do not let all the news in the world be the ones who speak to you and say, all persons are persons loved by God. 
All persons are ones who Christ has died for. Hear the words of the Gospel when it says that my Son has come to the world for the forgiveness of its sins and its salvation. In our guilt and overlooking our neighbor, remember these words that speak to that guilt and forgive you of those sins. Remember that before you begin to speak in such a way that speaks against your neighbor, calling them enemy, calling them foe. Because the Word of God will not be silenced. The gates of hell will not prevail. They will not prevail in this time or any other. But we are people who have been baptized into Christ. We are people who have received this forgiveness by His death on the cross and have been given hope for a new and a different world in His resurrection. And we are people who have received the identity of loved, living. And that's exactly what we carry out in this place. We only have one enemy, and it's the enemy who wants all of this to stop. But His voice will not be heard over the Gospel. And I challenge you to not let His voice be heard over yours. Because in your voice, you have the power to bring life where there is death. You have the power to serve and to love those that you may not understand or want near you. You have the Gospel on your tongue and in your voice. The will of God is that all men be saved, all men be defended, all men be cherished and loved by Him. Let this be the image that comes to our mind when we read the Psalms and we hear the word enemy. Let this be the banner that we carry out into the world that calls us not murderers but calls us life givers. Because in your words you carry the power of God to bring life those that are suffering. Forgiveness to those who need it. Love to those who are stifled under hatred. Bring Jesus to those who are in need of hope and forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Amen.